With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I told you I, I'm a, I'm a libertarian thinking independent, but I'm also pragmatic. And I think we've got a slate of electable candidates that won last night in the primaries. I really think that this is a slate of electable candidates, and a couple of them are going to stop by today. We're going to work on letting them all do uh, victory laps, but Heidi Ganahl is going to join us in a few minutes. We also are going to talk to Eric Odlin. Um, you know, I mean, I think with, with having to face off, and, and honestly, there were some really great candidates across the board. I liked a lot of the people that we talked to. Um, uh, I heard a little bit of Greg Lopez uh, talking to the media this morning, a super class act. I think he's a great fella. Um, I think, though, that in terms of the campaign chops, I think Heidi Ganahl was probably the right choice for going up against Governor McPhee much. And I think she's going to give him a run for his money. I think he is going to try to run for president as a faux left-leaning libertarian. Not that there's anything wrong with left-leaning libertarians. I have a lot of friends that are left-leaning libertarians. But I think he's going to run as a faux left-leaning libertarian. And I think he's going to, in order to even be a viable candidate, he has to win re-election. And I think that just got a lot harder after last night. A lot harder. Possibly, possibly he may not. So I think that's great. We're going to talk to Heidi in just a couple minutes. That's good. Um, and then I think there's a possibility of taking that congressional uh, seven seat, possibly even congressional eight. Um I would, I, I'll be honest, I'll openly admit to you that I was not anywhere near this optimistic that there would be this kind of sea change. And when I say we, I don't mean we as in the Republicans. Again, I'm not a Republican, and I don't really care too much for the party, nor do I trust the party that much more than I trust the Democrats. But again, I'm pragmatic, and I'm looking at it for incremental change. In fact, I was having an exchange with a uh, libertarian friend of mine last night. And we were, we were talking about this very thing about how the Republicans aren't much better. And I said, yeah, I said, well, I'm kind of pragmatist on this. And I, until the libertarians find me a viable candidate that I can get fully behind, uh, I'm probably going to have to caucus a little bit with the Republicans from time to time. And uh, he sent me this note back, and it was pretty funny, and it was spot on. He said, the Democrats mean the end of America in a couple of years. The Republicans mean the end of America in a few more years after that, but probably with a little more money in our pockets. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That is the thing. <laughs> Unless something changes, which I think it definitely needs to. I think we need a viable third party. I think we need a party that will caucus one way or the other um, and sort of move some things forward in a good way. Um, and and I, I think that the best vehicle for that is probably the libertarians. But for now, what we have to do is get incremental change. And if we can stop that sort of poisonous deep blue tide – and again, I'm not 
trying to criticize people on the left so much as I am the policies that are being put forth by Polis and uh, by others in the state legislature. They are poisonous. They are poisonous to the middle class. They are poisonous to the working man. They are intended to create a, a, a huge class of people dependent on the government. They are intended to limit your choices. They are intended to control your movements. And all of this, while they pretend to be angry at some so somehow the Supreme Court limiting people's rights, which in fact it did not do. It simply said that the people will decide on a state-by-state -state basis or perhaps even on a federal basis, but the people will decide, their representatives will decide what we do about all of that. So anyway, uh, that is where we stand. Um, I was actually uh, pretty optimistic after seeing some of the results last night. I want to welcome onto the program one of those results, Heidi Gadal. Heidi, welcome. Congratulations. Great, uh, great win for you last night. Thanks, Leland. It was quite a night after three weeks of a lot of stress and hard work when they started dropping that million to three million dollars on us. So I'm really, really proud of my team, all our volunteers. They just worked their tails off to get us across the finish line. You know, I you just mentioned the dirty money um, that the thing that I think was most uh, fun about last night just from a purely political analyst standpoint was watching all that money get lit up and burned because <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they put so much in it, but what it tells you is how afraid they are to face electable candidates. They are. I mean, I'm honored that they're so worried, but man, did they play dirty this time? And I'm so proud of the Colorado voters that they saw through it and didn't let them win that way. And I consider this my second win against Polis because the first one was regent and uh, statewide when I beat Alice Madden, his right-hand gal on the blueprint that flipped Colorado. But then, you know, this, this effort to take us out in the primary is number two, and we'll have number three this November. I feel very confident we are going to be able to beat Jared Polis this fall. I get this feeling. I've, I've been in the state for three years, three and a half years now, Heidi, and I, I love the state. I love the people here. Um, I, I wouldn't change anything about living here other than the politics. And the more that I have been around the state, and I do travel it quite a bit, I have I've get this feeling that there's a very sort of uneasiness outside of that sort of corridor of population from Denver up to Fort Collins. I mean, even in the Springs, it's a little more common sense than here in Denver. And so there's an uneasiness, and I feel like what that means is that the people of Colorado are convincible that staying on the current path is probably not the right way. I agree with you. And what my job as a leader, as a governor candidate, and then as a governor is to do is to listen to all these folks that are concerned about different issues and that are upset right now, whether it's the energy workers, the restaurant owners, the parents about what's happening in schools, the list goes on and on, farmers, ranchers, and bring them all together and give them a big, bold vision for Colorado that we can all get behind and then, you know, get us there. And I am a girl who rolls up her sleeves and get things done. That's how I've done my whole life. And I've, I'm a fighter. I've been up against a lot of challenges. I'm not intimidated at all by Jared Polis. I think people see through him and they believe this is an election, not an auction, Jared. <laughs> I don't know that, that they like the that uh, that it isn't an auction because <laughs> right now they're trying to give us big fat plastic checks uh, and, and, and convince us that it's the state legislature and the governor who gave those to us when it's our money. 
It's ridiculous. Um, you know, for how venomous they've been about Tabor, and I led the effort, I chaired the effort to protect Tabor. No, I'm Prop DC a few years ago. So I got to know it very well, and I understand that it's been watered down so much. But for them to flip it and play it against us and try and say that they're the heroes for giving us back our, our Tabor refunds a little early so right. that they can buy their votes right. is insane. Right. Um Let's talk about some policy stuff now that the you know you've got the primary behind you and it's gonna it's gonna be time now to contrast yourself with uh, Governor McPhee much, and <laughs> so what what are the things that you're gonna you're gonna focus on? Like one of the things I like is them the, and and I guess you could say I find some agreement with Polis on this, although I don't trust where he would make up the difference. But I love the idea of eliminating the state's income tax, not to be replaced with a bunch more fees, but to truly cut the size of government and put more money back in people's hands. How are you on that issue? So here's the thing. When Jared Polis said that, what he did was put an asterisk on it that, of course, he would be raising carbon tax and doing other <laughs> things to raise right. the revenue, right. you know, with, while still producing the income tax. But he knows as well as I do that the way you attract lots of great businesses here to Colorado to create tons of jobs and a bright future for our kids, through income tax, reduce regulations, reduce fees, reduce red tape, which – Polis has grown the size of government by 20 to 25 percent. Here he likes to say he's a libertarian. That is the exact opposite. So the most important thing I can do as governor is undo a lot of what he's done. Well, and not only that, but I was laughing at a tweet that he had after the Supreme Court ruling the other day where he was talking about how we stand for liberty and I stand for freedom. And I'm like laughing because I'm like, how many small businesses did you crush during the pandemic? You know, I mean. Arguably, he handled it better than some other leftist governors, but he still didn't handle it, what I would say, well. You know, we should have had freedom all the way through. Well, and one one thing I say a lot in my speeches is the only thing I'll mandate as governor is freedom. We've got to trust the people of Colorado to make good decisions for their lives, their businesses, their families, their kids, their health. And that's the Colorado way of life. That is trusting the good people of Colorado to run their life, not putting government and bureaucrats and commissions and executive orders all over us so that we feel suffocated. And as the first woman governor, the first mom in the governor's mansion in Colorado, (laughs) the first thing I'm going to do is clean house on all the unelected bureaucrats. That is music to my ears um, because, you know, we were talking about this over the last few weeks with some of the candidates and, this, uh, you know, my good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey, who used to be my congressman in Kentucky, talks about how Congress doesn't do its job. Our lives are run by bureaucrats. These are organizations that have set up little fiefdoms and they make decisions that affect us. We saw that with OSHA trying to enforce the vaccine mandate. We saw it, um, you, you know, we see it on a daily basis with the EPA. We see it with organizations that get in the way of accessing our energy. We see it. Um, all over the place, these organizations that aren't elected. We see it with CDOT, right? Like CDOT's Mm -hmm. trying to take over what we can use land for, and they're going to hold communities hostage for infrastructure, basically saying if you want this infrastructure, you have to force everybody into these little bitty condominium buildings or these little bitty lots so that they can control where we move. This is the Department of Transportation. Where do they get off making decisions like this? 
Well, it's very intentional. As you know, they want us off the roads. Polis has got his new Green Deal here in Colorado. He doesn't talk about it because he knows it's not popular. And honestly, we all want clean land, clean air, clean water, but not at the expense of our livelihood, our kids' livelihood. They have gone way too far, too fast on this stuff. And they're using the Department of Transportation and the Department of Public Health to do all their dirty work. So I've got to put in great leaders in on both those organizations, along with all the law enforcement, public safety, corrections organizations. And then I've got to basically clean house on the boards and commissions and replace a lot of those folks with people who care about making it easier to live, work, and raise a family in Colorado, and then reduce the size of bureaucracy. And I've made a pledge to do that by 10% a year in my first term or 40%. That'd be good if that could happen. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who said they came here to Colorado to start a business because Colorado was business friendly. And that was usually a couple of decades ago when I asked them about how long ago it was. What's the big thing that's happened there? that, you know, maybe something specific that you think has made it that much more difficult for people to take that risk and start that small business? Well, as the founder of Camp Bow Wow, a big franchise company, we helped hundreds of people live the American dream and start their own businesses. The reason, the thing that got me into politics a long time ago was when the Department of Agriculture sent an inspector in and told me how to run my business. And I thought, how do you know how to run a doggy daycare? You don't know better than we do. We have you know, 70 or 80 of these around the country. Great safety record. And that lit, uh, like a lit a spark in me that unelected bureaucrats kind of run our lives and that that's not okay. So I think the whole conversation around bureaucracy and red tape applies specifically to starting a business in Colorado. Right. But then you have to look at the opportunity that our kids don't have because of the education system here. Mm. We are failing our kids right now. They can't read, write, or do math at grade level. Right. 60% of them. Right. It's pathetic. Totally. Um, all right. Kind of on a personal note, I heard you say something in the debate, uh, the final debate with uh, Greg Lopez on Dan Kaplis's show coming up here at 4 o'clock um, the day before the election, and you were asked what is the – the, the favorite thing you've done that's not political. And you mentioned getting 10,000 dogs adopted. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we started the Bow Wow Buddies Foundation um, early on in Camp Bow Wow because we were all such huge dog lovers, and we saw how many pups couldn't come to camp or didn't have a good home. So we started a program where our franchisees could um, foster dogs at the camps. And then we help them, like, get them adopted out. And, you know, when you have a couple or 100-plus franchisees and you multiply that times a dog or two a month, it adds up really quickly. Right. And I'm so proud of the work that all our franchisees did over those years. And we got so many dogs homes, over 10,000 of them, through the Bow Wow Buddies Foundation. It's one of my proudest accomplishments. And I still I miss being with the doggies every day. I've got a big 100-pound white lab sitting at my feet right now. But <laughs> Um, you know, hanging out with 40 dogs in a play area is pretty fun, a great way to spend your time. Yeah, I, I, I say that. I, say, I know it's not a political thing, but um, uh, one of the proudest things I've done in my radio career was help get Kentucky's first law passed that made it a felony to be intentionally cruel to a dog uh, or oh, a cat. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. I have an award from the Humane Society for it. And it, it really is. They, the, the legislation was actually signed by a dog that was vic a victim of abuse. It's named after him, Romeo's oh. Law. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We brought him to the signing ceremony. And the governor, who was a Democrat, 
Uh, we worked across both sides of the aisle. I was able to bring some of my conservative legislative friends together and, and, and sort of pound out something that would protect hunters and protect agriculture, but at the same time stop that senselessness. And so uh, the governor signed the legislation, and then Romeo the dog, they dipped his uh, paw in ink, and then he signed the legislation. So it's probably the only legislation in America <laughs> signed by a dog. But the reason I brought that up was because my wife was we, we were filling out our ballots the other night, and um, she's very independent. Uh, she may, she'll probably make you and I both look like left wing nut jobs. Um, she's very <laughs> libertarian down there, and she's she was being pragmatic, and so she's trying to figure out who she's going to vote for. And she heard you say that in the debate, and that's what won her over because she loves Ooh, dogs I more love than it. people. So anyway, I just thought that was pretty funny. So well, Heidi, congratulations. I'm sure we'll talk more as the campaign heats up, but uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks for popping on with us and enjoy the victory but you got a lot of work ahead of you and i know you i know you're up for it so well thanks leland we're ready we're going to take him on and win and i would love all your listeners support and help heidiforgov.com volunteer donate we've got a big battle ahead but we all can do this together awesome all right thank you so much talk to you later talk to you soon all right so there you go heidi ganoss she's going to take on governor mcfemi much in the fall uh, which is basically already upon us. I mean, not the fall weather, but certainly the campaign's going to get hot real quick. And look, if you, if you, it, let's just put it this way: if the left was willing to literally light on fire millions of dollars by putting that dirty money in to kind of confuse voters, what do you think they're going to do now that the candidates they were most afraid of are potentially the ones they're going to have to face? So it's going to get kind of wild. So brace yourself for that. But anyway, all right, so we're going to talk to Eric Odlin in the next segment uh, about his victory up in the 7th uh, Congressional District primary and uh, get an idea of where he wants to go. I actually want to talk to him today because he's a military veteran, has a lot of experience with national security. This is going to be an issue that members of Congress are going to have to deal with. We're in a very precarious situation on the world stage from a national security and a national policy, foreign policy position. Uh, this president has, I mean, it is foobard beyond belief. I mean, they people, people in countries that are practically third world won't even pick up the phone and answer this dude's call. That's how la little seriously the rest of the world takes this guy. So what, you know, when we're dealing with stuff like that, votes that are coming up, you know, what kind of situation are we in and what is Congress going to face? I have some amazing audio. Hillary Clinton is back in the news. I think she's going to be the 2024 nominee for the Democrats. I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It is not going to be Biden. It is not going to be Biden. That dude, I, even, even my Democrat friends are hoping to God he doesn't run. And I don't know how they're going to manage it, but they're going to have him exit stage left. Fairly quick order. He is not going to be the nominee. I'd be willing to bet on it. I really would. All right. We'll have some fun in the second hour as well. Eric Odlin coming up next. I'm Leland Conway, 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. Hey, B-Large, apparently we've been doing it wrong. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A urologist says that men should sit down and pee instead of stand.
Of course he's from California, but apparently we've been doing it wrong. I mean, from time to time, you know. <laughs> I, I'll give you the details on this later this hour because I'm sure now everybody's like, what? A urologist said what? 630K, How Denver's Talk Station. I am Leland Conway. B-Large is at the controls. Um, oh, we're going to have a fun, twisted view. I can't tell you anything about it yet, but this Friday is going to be fun. Just trust me on that. Uh, last night's uh, primary results are in. Um, we're going to try to talk to uh, the uh, – well, Pam Anderson is uh, – is, she won big in that three-way race. Uh, we're going to try to talk to her later this week. Uh, we also are trying to get a hold of uh, Joe O'Day. He won uh, pretty handily uh, last night as well. Um, and then also Eric Odlin, and he has joined us several times uh, during the campaign trail, but we want to welcome him to the program now. He is going to run in that seventh district seat um, for the old Perlmutter seat. Easy for me to say. And he's on the program with us now. Sir, welcome. Congratulations on last night's win. Well, thank you so much, Leland. It's great to be back with you. It already seem, seems like a lifetime since we last spoke. I know, and it was just a <laughs> couple days, days ago. ago. Yeah, it was just like, I think, day before the election. So um, it, it, were, you, were you nervous at all? I mean, how, how did you feel as you were watching results come in? Well, honestly, I was nervous. Probably for the last month I've been on pins and needles because my team and I have worked so hard over the last year to accomplish this. And, and I am so proud of my volunteers, my staff, and everybody who supported this victory. It's it's quite an achievement. And, and I've never done anything like this, Leland, so it's a new experience. And, yeah, I was, I was nervous. I hate to admit it. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things that, that I want to compliment you on because the very first time I talked to you, um, you know, I just kind of, it, I liked the fact there, how do I put this? This is going to sound weird, but the sense of wonder in your voice, meaning here's a fresh take. And I can't tell you how badly Congress needs that people that come in with a strong sense of purpose and a strong sense of mission and I, I know that from your military experience, that's that's kind of how you do things in life. And I guess I could sense that, not just the sense of wonder, like like you'd never done this before, but that sense of mission and purpose, you could hear it in your voice. And uh, so far, it's paid off. It's going to be a challenge going forward, but it's it's gotten you this far. Well, that's kind of you to say, Leland. I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, a sense of mission, a sense of duty, it was it was inspired within me as a young man growing up in an army family, a patriotic family. Uh, my dad's a retired major general and uh, we believe in service, service to this country. And that's what motivates me. That's what fulfills me and makes me happy to be of service. So I, I am on a mission. And I think a lot of people are on a mission these days. A lot of veterans are standing up, a lot of average citizens running for office because they see the peril we're in and they're sick and tired of career politicians destroying this country. Um, one of the things that you're going to have to deal with as a member of Congress is the situation that America is in with regards to foreign policy. Uh, we're a wreck right now. Um, no one takes us serious on the world stage. Um, France, there was a video of the president talking to uh, France's president, Macron, and he's basically like, hey, it's great you went to Saudi Arabia, but my understanding is they're at capacity. They can't drill anymore. Um, you guys need to do it. You know, there's there's this 
it, it's a mockery. It's like he, he'll go to these big meetings and he just sits there alone and no one wants to come up to him. You know, when, when President Obama was president, everybody in the room wanted to be next to him. When Bush was president, everybody in the room wanted to be next to him. It was that cachet, that swagger that the U.S. is here. We all better pay attention. Now it's like, oh, the U.S. is here. Somebody get pudding for this guy. You know, I, it, it's a mess. And you guys are going to have to deal with that in Congress. What what do you think is the first step to building America's prestige back on the world stage so that it can keep at bay countries like China and others that want to do bad things? Well, Leland, it's it's a dramatic problem. I mean, this this presidency is a is a disaster. It's an embarrassment. I mean, we saw what happened in Afghanistan, perhaps the greatest military mm. disaster in our nation's history. And I served there. It was heartbreaking to watch. But this weakness. It's uh, it's something we haven't experienced in a long, long time, if if ever, and we need to rectify it by putting dignified statespeople in office who who are people of character who will do the right thing. I believe in peace through strength. Everything this administration has done is a road American strength, and that's got to be our first uh, series of goals: yeah. address our energy policy, restore our energy independence, get our military back on track. I'm so disheartened and sickened by these flag officers, you know, these woke flag officers who are undermining the morale and welfare of our military units and degrading our ability to fight and win our nation's wars. We've got a long list of challenges. It's going to take strong character to address them. And this 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 president is uh, is an embarrassment, and it, it's heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, I saw a report the other day that every single branch of the military is not able to reach its recruiting goals. And I'm like, well, if you spend all your time putting out pronoun videos and focusing on stupid stuff like that instead of teaching our military to be the best, strongest, mightiest killing machine on the planet, you know, that's what happens. Nobody wants to join, right? It's just it's exactly. like any other thing. So what's the point of it? And and, and it's it is embarrassing to see this. And you know, all of the, the discussion, and this is the thing that's ironic to me, uh, Eric. We're talking with Eric Odlin. Um I, I believe in the rights of everyone to identify as they wish, to marry who they wish, to love who they wish, to live their lives as they see fit. But we have none of those rights if we don't have a badass military force that can fight and defend those freedoms. And I don't think people understand it. Like, this is the area of society where we cannot let political correctness seep into because you cannot fight wars politically correct. It doesn't work. In order to have the ability to have a society that's free and open and tolerant and welcoming of everything and everyone, we have to have a bunch of badasses that can kick anybody's tail around the world. And I don't think people understand that these days. Well, yeah, the military is not a democracy. It's a meritocracy. When I was in combat, I didn't care what the color of your skin was, what your sexual orientation might be. What I cared was, did you have my back and could you perform your job? And the the job of the military is to bring violence around the world. It's not to bring social justice or wokeism or Marxism or racist ideologies. It is meant to go kill on, and, and protect American sovereignty, protect the American people, and and that strength provides stability. And I, I appreciated President Trump for that. We had stability, unlike I'd seen in multiple decades. I mean, we were we were fighting all over the war uh, over the world, and it was the first time we weren't getting into new entanglements. And the world took him seriously. They may not have liked him, but but. Uh, like you said, the military is meant to defend this country. It's not meant to 
uh, encourage opportunity. It's meant to to uh, be a fighting force. And that's what I want to see out of our military, out of our general officers, out of our civilian leadership. And that protects the freedom. I don't, as you said, I don't care what you do behind closed doors. You're, feel, you're free to identify with whatever you want. I want you to have that freedom. I don't want to judge you for that. But that, there's no place in that for, for, for those kinds of things in our military. Um, you know, you served in Afghanistan. What, what, was, what was your job there when you served? So I commanded a striker reconnaissance unit in Afghanistan. I was over the second largest border crossing point in the country between Pakistan. So we were surging material from the port of Karachi, surging into southern Afghanistan. And so I I secured that border crossing point. I did border intercept operations, trained the Afghan border police along that. So I know a little bit about securing a border and uh, using biometrics to to track people coming across. Uh, what was the terrain like in that area of the border? The terrain, well, at the border crossing point, it was it was urban, but along spin around Spin Boldak, that's the town bordering Pakistan. Uh, there were a lot of rolling hills, and and uh, it, it could get pretty pretty rough and rocky. Yeah, the, the reason I'm kind of asking about that is. When you, because this is my biggest concern, because I have a lot of friends that are veterans. I've got some friends that have lost. I have one friend that lost both his legs and both his eyes. Um, it, this one, that one for him was in Iraq. But I mean, I've got friends that we've lost altogether. I've got friends that have lost limbs that served in the military. And when I when I saw what happened with the Afghanistan withdrawal, my immediate thought went not. I mean, I supported the idea of getting out of there. I mean, you know, so did Trump. I mean, this was something, so we, yeah, we needed to get out of there. We were done there. But we needed to do it in a way that was respectable, a way that didn't uh, strike glee into the hearts of our, our uh, enemies, uh, which I think led to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and to leave behind those who helped us do what we did there. And my thoughts are, for guys like you who served— is there a moment when you see that happening that you go, what the hell did we just do? Why did I spend that time, that effort, that, 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 that blood, that sweat, those tears that literally put your life on the line to have it in this way? What was that like for you? It was heartbreaking and, and infuriating. I mean, I, I still, if I go deep enough, I still feel those emotions, Leland. It was a disaster that never needed to happen. Uh, we we knew the right way to withdraw. I, I thought we should have been out of there a decade ago mm-hmm. because we couldn't clearly articulate why we were there and what we wanted to accomplish. But nevertheless, the withdrawal could have be could have been handled in a way that that didn't uh, portray weakness to the world and incomp- gross incompetency, leaving eighty billion dollars worth of sensitive arms and equipment to fall into the hands of our enemies like China, Russia, Iran. You name it. Uh, I mean, these, these these are things that. If I lost the night vision device on the battlefield, we'd stop a training exercise or we'd stop whatever we were doing and, and hunt it down, uh, you know, putting putting lives at risk to not lose something like that. So the yeah. fact that we left those kind, that kind of equipment all the way up to Black Hawk helicopters, extremely disturbing. The, the way we withdrew out of Kabul instead of Bagram, it was it – was, Terrible decision-making that didn't make any sense. I mean, on and on and on. Not getting civilians out first before you get troops out. Right. Not blowing the sensitive equipment in place. I mean, this this was almost a disaster by design because 
I would say that anyone with any competency, anybody who's been in combat knew how to do it better. Yeah, yeah. And I think there were a lot of military people that were going, what are you guys doing? And my understanding is most of that evacuation was led by the State Department, which was another problem. You know, not the people that have been in charge there for 20 years doing it, other people coming in and doing it their way. So what a mess. All right, on to the campaign. Before I let you go, how optimistic are you that you can win that seat? I'm extremely optimistic, Leland. We we have the wind at our backs. I've got a phenomenal team who's been been forged in fire over a year of campaigning. We're on the right side of every issue. We've got positive solutions. My radical left Democrat opponent has a voting record that she can't escape from. And I, I believe that even Democrats are going to reject her radicalism in this race. We're going to win this seat. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, it's great to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll talk more as the campaign heats up. And congratulations on a big win last night, Eric. Pleasure to be with you, Leland. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Eric Odlin running for what will be or Ed Perlmutter's old seat. I don't want to call it his seat. It's not his seat. It's the people's seat. But he occupied it. Now someone new gets to occupy it. And there's a guy I think would probably do a pretty good job. When we continue, I have the details because B-Large is very worried about this report from a urologist that says men should pee sitting down. Also, next hour, lots and lots of audio. And yesterday was a very damaging day in the January 6th hearings, but not so much for Trump. I'll explain what I mean in the next hour. 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. All right, 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. I am Leland Conway. 57739 if you want to text the show directly. 57739. Uh, someone said Le- Leland, Heidi needs to register HeidiFemeLess.com because I call Governor Polis Governor McFemey much. That would work. All right, uh, Joe O'Day confirmed for 310 today, so we'll have him coming up as well. Peeing standing up is the way to go for most men, but one expert has warned it might not be better than taking a seat. According to doctors in the Netherlands, they found that sitting down could be beneficial. (laughs) B-Large's eyes are like, what? What are you talking about, men peeing, sitting down? Apparently, see, this is the thing, though. It's not healthy men, so... The, the, the headline says, here's why you should teach your boys to pee sitting down, which doesn't make any sense. Because what they found is that if you have prostate problems, it might be better to pee sitting down. And they said the research doesn't mean that everybody needs to do it. Associate clinical professor at UCLA Department of Urology, Dr. Jesse Mills, said sitting down is also a better option for men who might struggle to stand up for long periods of time. Who's that? Does it, isn't this a commentary on how unhealthy our nation is overall? Like, what do you mean we got men in society can't stand up for five minutes? Where are the Spartans when we need them? Where, where, where the hell are the Spartans and the gladiators when we need them? The Vikings. The people, I mean, like, here's modern America. I can't stand up for more than five minutes. What? What does that even mean? So you can be relieved, be large. You're a healthy dude. I'm not worried about you. So I say I live in a house full of women, so I mean, sometimes, <laughs> well, sometimes it, could it just be happens. Better, it could be better for your health to be sitting down <laughs> so you don't leave the seat up. There you go. That or just a <laughs> splash everywhere, you know. All right, coming up, Joe O'Day joins us at 310. I have this audio for you I've been trying to get to all day. Elizabeth Warren says we can't drill on Fedland, but we can kill our babies there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.